0: Because sometimes the simplest things in life could have the most valuable lessons that you can learn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Unstable Investigators. I'm your detective XP player, and welcome back to the podcast. So, today I figure we're gonna change the pace a little bit and talk about a little bit about the animes I've been watching. Because it isn't really that much, we haven't really watched that many series at once. But I figured, well, let's spend a podcast talking about these because I do have a handful of them that I'm watching. And there are some pretty decent ones that I've been catching up to. So um, let's start off with the most recent one that I've been watching. It's actually a pretty old one. Actually, I'm think I'm like five years overdue on this thing, and that is made in Abyss. Like, I don't know how did I miss this masterpiece of an anime, but when I look through it, it's like, wow, the pacing fits well, and it's like everything has a purpose. The views aren't amazing, and even though the story does turn, has a gruesome turn to it um i'd say that it really adds to the mystery that the abyss has so it's like i don't know i really i really realized recently that holy balls i've missed this so much in fact i think all i'm missing left right now is the movie the third movie so it's like original content and then i can catch up on season two which apparently they announced for this summer but we'll see we'll see but i mean yeah i hope that uh the second season would be just as or even more intriguing but all i could say is that just the first season was already enough to really hook me in similar to how i did with nijigato but we'll talk about that later on right now it's like. The sort of setting or the kind of like past story, especially for Nanachi, is like wow. It's very brutal because imagine this. You have you have made your first ever friend, right? You made your first ever friend. And yet both of you got uh, forced into an experiment where one you can survive somehow, and the other will be cursed to a damning ex- existence that is worse than death. And that is essentially uh, the sort of thing that they have. I don't know if this con- constitutes as a spoiler, but well, the series is out for five years already, and if everyone watched it, please watch it. Because it really goes to show you that anime's potential can be this high perhaps even higher too, like even just the more casual food scene it's like where they cook food it's like it feels realistic too and it really brings the world to life let's just say and the pacing that I said before it really makes sense because the first few episodes is like giving you the setting the overall setting of what the situation we are in we are looking at And then we have the spark on episode two. It's like, oh, something happened to inspire the main character to do something. So the main character is Riko. And uh, there's this robot called Reg. Well, that's what Riko calls her, calls him. And uh, yeah, and so that sort of certain spark, they decide to journey down the abyss. Uh, Even though Riko's technically still a red whistle basically an apprentice you know a beginner uh cave uh raider or cave explorer so it's like yeah quite interesting to see how they went down on their journey you know and there are multiple layers to this abyss thing so i have layer one which is where the red, red crystals go layer two layer three all the way down to layer six or even further deeper we're not sure um i haven't even watched the read the manga or anything i'd only read only watched season one of the anime and it's really really shocking towards the later parts I get say this because it really just goes to show you that there are risks that there are when journeying into such a dangerous place because it's the fear of the unknown really and it's not this fear of the unknown that really makes you think like what makes you human sort of thing it also gives up this Philosophical questions as to like the f- further deep down you go as you stare into the abyss the abyss stares back at you and It's like st- sort of circle of life, I guess Where some of the monsters that lurk within the abyss also eat the cave explorers, too, so it's like I Don't know. It's like a weird harmony. I guess it's weird but perhaps weird on our outsider ther- terms Maybe for the people that live in there, it's like a natural process of life, I guess. So, it's a very interesting world, I guess. Very interesting world to really investigate. So, that's really what caught me in. The setting really brought me in. And the plots uh, that follows Rico and Reg going down the abyss to answer their uh, questions... ...really adds to it. So, really nice to really see Made on Abyss. So I can't wait to, see, to watch the movie. So I'm probably gonna do that after the podcast. So there's that. But yeah that was Made on Abyss. It was very powerful in storytelling. Very powerful on its setting and well. The OST too, the BGM that comes with the the uh, ambience, the sort of flow of the anime. It's smooth, it's it feels right on the theme and it's nice you know so honestly if you haven't had a look at it you should you should really have a look at it because of the abyss is like one of those masterpieces that you should at least watch you know it's not just your typical dragon ball death note or sort of thing even though death note is pretty good too until like l died but yeah we don't talk about that here now there's another i guess several um ongoing anime series that i've also been watching one of them is actually catching up on the attack of titan story so uh i've spoiled myself a little bit about the ending of attack of titan but uh mainly on the anime i basically watched until the rumbling so yeah there's that yeah the world is rumbling and uh, Eren is trying to crush the rest of the world because uh because that's part of i guess what redeemer fritz wanted to do so there's that. Not sure. Not sure. Um, we'll see how things go. I don't know. Perhaps it'll be a different ending. Or perhaps it'll be the manga. I'm not sure. But apparently from what I heard. Is that Ichiyama the author for Attack on Titan. Uh, didn't have his preferred ending in the manga. So what if we have a preferred, his preferred ending on the anime. That would make a pretty nice incentive to have us watch watch the manga watch the anime and read the manga you know it would be nice so we'll see we'll see we'll see how the rumbling would go will they stop it or will they just let they let Eren just trample through the rest of the world because i don't know you can't be racist if there's only one race so there's that but yeah we'll see because honestly it really goes to show like Eren's morals didn't really change you know he strives for freedom, I guess, and it's like, it's future himself. I don't know, I find it a bit ironic, though, because, because if Eren's the one that influenced his father to kill the Reese family, then wouldn't it have been possible for him to also sort of, like, convince his past self to do certain actions, therefore for him to strive for this freedom? Though, wouldn't that make him a slave as well? You know, Kenny, Kenny said the thing before back on the arcs where it's like a people has to be drunk on something in order to survive, right? And in a sense you could say that Eren is drunk on these... Uh, on the longing of freedom. But... Is it really freedom? If he all he's doing is actually just following what his future self wants? Is that really freedom? I don't know. I don't know, it's a weird paradoxical thing. In in the psychology of things, but we'll see. i will see how they're gonna progress with this with anime. But yeah, Really look, really looking forward to it though. Really looking forward to how they're gonna progress with the anime. So yeah, we're reaching the near end, and we'll see. But yeah, another casual one, another casual anime I've been watching is Kuroitsu-san uh, from the Monster Development uh, team or something like that. But yeah. Uh, main reason why I clicked on it initially was because it's uh, the main character kuroitsu son, the lab assistant is voiced by Kaori so Maeda Kaori, so yeah that was my initial reason to, reason to get in there but then as I kept watching it's like uh, a nice slice of life thing, it also kind of like reverses the angle where we're looking from a quote unquote villain's perspective by the way, what do you find surprising is that the agency that Uh, that Kurootsu-san is working for has very very decent like benefits or treats their workers very well surprisingly so yeah that's nice. So the overall gist of the plot actually is literally just going through the lives of uh, Kurootsu-san and the Monster Development team and literally just seeing that they try to beat the hero divine blade and well yeah it keep they keep failing but it's like kriotu-san likes the process of it so there's that of course there are some comedic scenes in there but i mean overall it's a decent laugh sometimes though it would help if sometimes you have you just read the japanese things one thing cool about it actually is that the heroes that are displayed on the anime actually Are based off of the actual quote-unquote heroes that show in real life, so that's quite interesting to see So there's that like imagine having having real life heroes like that. (laughs) It would be weird I don't know. I don't know how they do in the actual real life, but I mean they do them I guess so there's that But yeah overall, it's like a very good casual game a casual anime to watch You know it reminds me similar of something to like Eagle Talon. So Takanotsune to me, so the re- only reason I know about that anime is because Toram did a collab with them, and dear lord, it's very amusing. It's like, uh, it's like one of those like Japanese comedy sort of things, where it's like you have like a person that kind like sees through the joke and one being the dumb person, yeah, that kind of thing, and it's pretty nice, pretty amusing to watch, I guess if you're into Japanese comedy. So that's that, but yeah, it's like, mm, there's those animes too But it's more like me just s- Casually Using my time It's like whenever I have spare spare time Then yeah I do watch some of them It's like I don't catch them the- on As the upload Because it's literally midnight Late at night so Can't really do that But yeah, um, there are some others that I have watched. I mean, I could talk about the Love Life franchise as a whole and try to talk about the entire series, but um, I guess let's try to clear out the rest of the things first before I dive into Love Life. So uh, there's also One Piece, which pacing has been detrimentally slow. I don't understand. I don't understand. It's the profits really worth Toei for keeping the One Piece series uploaded every single week for like twenty years straight. Is it really worth the toei animation? Is it really? Is it really? Couldn't you just make it seasonal? You know, it would have been nice to literally just let uh, let Oda do all the work and actually have him progress the manga to a reasonable uh, level and then have the anime catch up like every season it would have been nice it would have been nice to see like proper progression because when you see the anime itself it feels like i watched one piece at times two speed and i felt like and i felt like it still wasn't long enough it didn't felt like a proper anime episode where there's enough plot progression so it's like bruh Right. Why don't you just change the upload style of the anime? It's like, it's getting s- annoying. It's getting tedious. So, yeah. Would love to see them do a rehash, though, of the One Piece series where they actually get the pacing properly. So, yeah. Hoping that they actually did that, though. Though, we we'll look at two-way animation there, though. So, it's like, yeah, they have Dragon Ball Z Kai, but that's like the only iteration they did that rehash on. Oh well, sucks. <laughs> sucks me them, I guess. Oh well, I don't know. Don't really love one piece when you have to like sit through, sit through like mostly filler for one week at a time. Sucks. Really sucks. But yeah, I think that's it for the rest of the anime that I've been watching. I actually haven't been watching much anime actually. Those are pretty much the majority of the anime I've been watching in the recent times. But, uh, yeah. Let's quickly talk about Love Life before everything else that I've been watching. Because I have been watching or catching up into several new things, actually. Uh, but I want to quickly get Love Life out of the way so that I don't need to talk about it on the future podcast. So, yeah. I don't know. Based off of the anime series, actually, uh, not that Uh, Anigasaki season 2 and Superstar season 2 isn't out yet so I can't really comment on their season 2s yet but as of the current standing um, the way I would rank the series for me it's my opinion okay you can have a different opinion it's fine to have your opinion just don't don't denounce others' opinions just because it doesn't match yours that's what opinions are after all So, the way I see it, actually, it's like, I feel that Nijigasaki still somehow, out of all the things, I still feel like Nijigasaki had the best, sort of like, uh, best overall, I feel like. And then after that, I'd say Sunshine, and then Superstar, and then Sklider Project. So, if you want to refer by group, it would be Nijigasaki followed by Aqua, then Liella, then Muse. Now, I'm I'm already smelling those Muse round boys bringing that. How dare you put Muse that far low? Muse is the best. They are the OG. They are the best. That is not the bias that I want to lie down to, and that does not justify enough things. So, yeah. In fact think about that right I don't know if I said it before but I can say it again The main reason why I stepped into the love life uh, rabbit hole was because of aqua okay not news aqua yes I have I've watched news before right I watched the squad a project before but the first time I watched it I didn't feel much I did not feel much I feel like just girls hanging out, I guess. I didn't feel anything I didn't feel attached to the characters. But then it's like when it comes to aqua, I feel like they improved the formula a bit. And somehow me me back then decided that oh, okay, okay, that's something I probably couldn't binge through and try to see if I relate to it. And I guess it was those times where it's like the songs themselves feel a bit more relatable because I feel like they're I guess more experimental. I guess, relative to the time, at the times at least, but yeah, it's like, I started to like outgo a bit more because I feel like there's more, I guess to some people would say it's a bit too dramatic, but it's like I feel like it's just enough drama for me, honestly, so quite interesting to see several takes on it, but yeah, I mean, if I wanted to talk about news right now, maybe I need to give it a proper watch again, but... Uh, if I were to talk about Muse, I'd say it's just because it's like, oh, they haven't an had way to promote the characters. There's a bit of daily life thing. And yeah, I guess Kotori's case there with season one is a bit interesting. It's like she's afraid to like tell her friends what's happening. And somehow, thanks to Honoka's stubbornness, that kept Kotori around. I find it weird, though. I found that weird as a sort of like thing though. Is it is it really it's the lesson you really want to tell people that oh oh Honoka's the one that's pulling Umi and Kotori together. You know, that sort of thing. That's why I feel like out of attached sort of thing. It's like it's like Honoka's the one that's lead that's bringing them or pulling them into certain places. I mean sure there are some benefits to it, but sometimes it's like it's a bit too when taking the wrong angle it feels wrong you know just saying and i felt like umi herself didn't have a proper character arc either when i even watched both seasons what happened to Umi? surely there's more character to her than literally just just disciplining honoka or tagging along with honoka sure there's something more to umi than that and yet there's not so it's like it's like, that's already a step down from every, every other anime series on the Love Life franchise. It's like, where you can't even have a single, at least one episode, right? Even Sunshine didn't do uh, treat Hanamaru that well, and yet, she still had her debut episode with Ruby-chan. But that was mostly Hanamaru, right? So, it's like, at least Hanamaru had like half an episode. Umi didn't have anything. Which kind of like tear me off actually, I couldn't relate to every single character Maybe that's why I put Squad Project that low in the list, even though they have the more symbolic snow-halation But it's like, it's, it doesn't feel enough I didn't feel enough of it, I guess Outside of your snow-halation, Yuna Tobira is actually one of the better songs that I liked though, but that was of like, season 2 So there's that So it's like, yeah I still couldn't find myself to, I guess, 100% appreciate Squatter Project. Maybe if someone from Muse that loved to Muse more has come and tell me how how a person should appreciate Muse, then yeah, I'll try to give it a try, but as of now, on my own, I find it difficult for myself to appreciate Muse. I and mean, yeah, you could see part of the reason is because you don't see Muse activities now, but still, it's like, surely... With all the activities they've done back in the past, I could try to relate to them, but it's difficult, you know? It's difficult. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if I change my mind on that. But yeah, Sunshine. Sunshine mainly kind of like didn't really do Hanamado enough justice. And it's like for the third years, it's like their stories are clumped together more or less. It's like when you realize the third years, it's like their stories are one singular story essentially, maybe except for Diane for that one episode in season 2 but they're mainly whenever you hear the third years they usually are together, that's the thing and Ruby chans development in season 2 too was very awesome but we didn't hear much about Hanamaru, that's the thing and the second years are kind of like treated like oh they're so good now that they don't need any more development which I find kind of strange I guess Surely, there are more to develop with Yotan, you know? It's like, Riko-chan had development with Yohane, back on Season 2. And Shika-chan has her own episode too, when they were trying to perform Miracle Wave. But, what happened to Yotan? Yochan is like a side character now. It's like, yeah, she had the spotlight late, towards the late episodes of Season 1. But it seems like after that, Yochan never got to develop or anything. She's just there. So it's like that's kind of one of the reasons why I feel like even though I love Sunshine because that kind of pulled me in when it looked at it a bit more critically it's like some more characters are, are just aren't constantly developing which kind of like put me off a bit so but it's kind of sad though but I mean that's the point of the franchise after all it's like things improve over time and that's how I see it I guess so there's that And then on to Liela, so Superstar. What I love about Superstar is actually the sort of like multiple episodes it gives the characters to development. So you can also tell like there are some certain signs of certain changes before it comes to their own episode. So say Kanon, her episodes are episode 1, 3... And at the later part, it was like episode 10, I think, where she had to sing solo. And then, Cuckoo, though. Cuckoo barely had anything, though. It has the same problem. Maybe that's also another reason why I put Superstar Low, too. Similar to Sunshine's, because Cuckoo never had a proper development. She's like, she's like, oh, be a school idol with me. Please be a school idol with me. You have this potential. Be a school idol with me, sort of thing. What happened to her development, you know? So I'm hoping that Season 2 can rectify that mess, where where Kuku can actually have her proper development, okay? So that's what I'm really missing. Sumire has her developments too. Season 2, not Season 2, Season 1 already, she has it like on Episode 4 and Episode 9 or 10. Where she had to perform non-friction with the rest of the group. Yeah, that was pretty decent development for Sumire. And it kind of like, sort of like, breaks off her insecurity. That's that's a good development too. teach and also is like has this obligation to like pay back pay back for what Kanon helped her back when they were children. So there's that. Ren was uh, had that sort of like distaste of school idols because she was in the thought that oh her mother her mother might have hated school idols so therefore therefore she had a bad image about it. But I realized that wasn't the case. But that's just another problem. What happens when she resolves that issue? She just becomes a bootleg Rikuta, <laughs> which is kind of sad, honestly. I feel like Rin has a bit more development st- space to do. Which is why I guess I guess I realized why I love Nijigaku that much now. It's because of how each of them don't have like more development even after their own specific episodes. That's what I was looking for constant developing throughout the episode even if it's not your main episode right i love superstars for the fact that they gave multiple episodes where the characters develop but it's like after the episodes are developed it's like their character arc got thrown aside basically uh, well maybe kind of similar got got brought back on later episodes but it's like for the rest of the team it's like cuckoo barely got anything and then Rin is basically that episode. Titan's like after she did her redemption sort of thing, then yeah. But that was like in the middle of the anime. It's like episode six. So it's like after that, Titan and Ren is like, yeah, they're just there. Kukus barely did anything. Similar and Kanon probably would be the more favorite characters of my criteria. So that's kind of one of the things that irks me, I guess. Which is why I really love... Um, Season, not season one, uh, I love Anigasaki, so Nijigasaki a lot more, it seems. Like I, I always find myself coming back to Nijigasaki, no matter what. Even though I really like Superstar's kind of like direction, in terms of giving more episodes for the characters to develop, it just couldn't match the versatility or the progression that Nijigasaki did. And I really love that. That's the thing. And the main problem is the timing of all the arcs, though. It's gonna be a bit weird. (laughs) Because obviously, they started at the start of the year, which is like March, March or April. Now they're doing like the winter time. So it's like September to February, I guess. So I guess that's their school year. But yeah. I really love Nijigasaki, even till this point, because of all the episodes. They have their own songs, obviously, but it's like their development arcs are. like progressing sure there are some characters that didn't really have much progression except for their own episodes but they're there you know i mean sure ayuma has the most focus because we started our journey with ayuma and yutan because that's what our first angle was it was through their perspectives and well yeah they have theirs ayumu started her journey and she reaffirmed it uh, towards episode 11 and 12, especially episode 12. And uh, yeah, Yutan started to, by helping the girls out, she also starts having a dream and begins to pursue it. So that's what probably would be the focus would be on episode, on season 2. So there's that. Kazumi, sure, she her main issue at that time for her episode was literally just that... Oh, she's not really. She's not really, you know, going along with Setsuna back in the days. But uh, through the help, I guess, or through the help of like uh, Yutan and Ayumu, she kind of realizes that it's all right to, you know, coexist without actually harming the group in the process. It's fine to be, you know, pursued for what you want, and for Setsuna, it's also priestly decent connection too because setsna felt burdened because it's like she felt like it was her fault that the idol group didn't stay together so she decides to do it on her own method and try to put herself out of the picture even though her sort of guidance was like paramount to why the idol group was there in the first place or the squad of club was there in the first place so it's like Yu helped get her out of that burden and they kinda of like found a solution where it's like everyone would perform solo instead. So in a sense, not only everyone's together, they have they have this friend relationship, they are also rivals in idols as idols. So it's like that's the point of what Setsuna. And then with Ai, her case is like her case is more of like sort of like the existential crisis sort of thing because you know imagine like a perfect student sort of like that some sort of model student you know a student that basically aces or does very well on her academics and also does well in sports as well a very reliable person and yet when it comes to things that don't really have rules where you have a lot of freedom for example being an idol it's like she doesn't know what she wants. And in that episode, episode four, she pursues that desire or pursues like what she wants out of becoming an idol. What is her objective of becoming world an idol? And in her case, she found that giving, making others smile from her performances would be her objective. So yeah, that's like, that's how she solves her sort of thing. So there's that. And then the fifth episode, Emma. So Emma was supposed to be like this uh, idol that wants to. She knows what she wants to do essentially, and that is to uh, give everyone a comfy feeling, basically. You know, warm the hearts of others. Essentially, is what Emma's objective is. But then she realize, realizes that she uh, couldn't really help that. Help what Karin did and you know gets a bit frustrated and therefore kind of like, Emma tries figuring out what Karin wants to do you know sort of thing and in a sense it's basically Karin's episode but it's like Emma also kind of like reinfer- reaffirms why she wanted to be an idol so there's that and on to Rina's episode it's like Rina's episode is more towards like Rina's sort of I guess Manacally, I guess. Sort of like shame that she can't express herself herself freely as she pleases. You know, because Rina finds it difficult to express her emotions. So it's like that's her internal struggle. And with the help of her companions, she obviously had the courage, right? She gained the courage with the support of her friends, especially Aisan. So that she has the courage to stand on stage, and I guess that's basically her story. Really, is to overcome the internal struggles with her not being able to express her emotions, and her solution is to find other ways to express her emotion. Which is why we have the rena on board. You know, it actually makes a lot more sense. You know, the anime approach feels more better than the approach that the Uh, Game did because the game started off with Rina-chan with the board Right, but then anime started off the other way around Rina-chan was with her face but Rina-chan they brought out that issue that Rina-chan wanted to express herself, but can't Right, so that was like an internal struggle and therefore Yeah, it was a very touching episode obviously and it really gave Rina-chan that proper development that she really needed and And then on to Kanata which, I argue, would be one of the least developed characters throughout the, throughout the club. But, um, I mean, it's there. She has at least one episode to shine, so that's nice. I would love it if Kanata had a bit more development after that. But, well, still, can't really complain. Because it's really doing a better job than most uh, most of the rest of the franchise. So, there's that. The, fr- the problem... W- I mean, not the problem. The problem that Kanata was facing was that um her sister her younger sister haruka wants to be more dependent independent and wants to also carry her own weight as well and try not to burden kanata but you know they all both of them are just trying to you know try to ease the burden of each other rather than realizing that instead of taking the burden of each other uh throughout the episode they they eventually realize that oh wouldn't it have been great if it actually split the load instead? Instead of having one of the sisters carry the, the entire load sort of thing. So it's like, yeah, cooperation. Cooperation between siblings and therefore it worked out pretty well. And then Shizuku. Shizuku's episode was, I don't know, it somehow... I somehow keep looping that episode whenever it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's some sort of, like, sort of <laughs> reflection sort of thing, you know? Maybe projection, maybe it's projection, but uh, yeah. For she's a Her case is that she has a taste for uh, dramas or theaters stuff. You know, what people call the theater kid. And realizing that she's so she's different from others, just from that, she kind of like puts on a facade to like appeal to her classmates or friends or something like that so that she won't be hated for her, this little interest that she has and for her challenge she had to she had to take off this facade if she wanted to have the role and Kasumi Kasumi and Rina realized this and especially Rina. Rina could relate to Shizuka, and therefore kind of like convince Kasumi to or Tells Kasumi like what problems Shiz- Shizuku would have, and really, that was a nice conclusion because we used we used Rin-chan's development for episode six to help Shizuku, and Kasumi also has like a more uh, personal reason to help Shizuku because she's she a friend, you know, a friend to Shizuku, and realizing that realizing that even though even though there was she thought they were friends she wasn't helping enough you know sort of thing so it's like yeah really brought up the development of first years too so i guess that's kind of like one of the reasons why i really loved that episode and then on to Colleen's episode right Karin's episode is more of a sort of thing where it's like yeah Karin says tough words indeed Karin says tough words to really kind of dump the truth onto the club because sometimes they really do need the hard truth but when it comes to herself it's like she gets intimidated you know that's the sort of thing because remember back on episode 5 with Emma right she was just starting off um, becoming an idol because she was trying to I don't know balance between the art between a model and a school idol and I don't know it's like some sort of like I guess conflict of identity I guess but you know the fear of being alone on stage to perform really intimidates Karin but you know that episode sort of like brought everyone together to help Karin as well you know just as Karin has to say some truths out there for the club to understand uh, the club also helps her So, to help her realize that, oh, it's alright to have like this mutual competitor, mutual friendship, yet at the same time competitors as well, you know, rivals. So, it's like, it really helped Kanin to realize that not everything has to be black or white. It doesn't have to be friends or rivals. It can be both at the same time, you know. So, kind of like also also enroaching to Shizuku sort of thing where it's you don't have to be on one side only. There's a lot of shades in between, which is also reflected on her song too, on Vivid World. So, yeah. And then, yeah. Those are the main episodes. Obviously, there there are the main episodes there, but I feel like I'm going to be... I might as well just talk about it in a proper Love Life video, but it's like... Each episode really gave the potential for each character to show the internal struggles as well as sorry like put out a solution to it. Sure the pacing may be shrunk into a single episode, but it really packed up enough to really show us like the insecurities of the girls themselves and what they do, you know, or how they come to overcome this internal struggle. And that's what I really love about Gasaki actually. So... I really hope that... Season 2... Would actually... Further, deeper... In- develop their characters. Now that the Rebirth subunit... Her rebirth unit is coming up for Season 2. And I wanna see how, that, how that's gonna play out along with Yuta and trying to... Step with her dreams. Because remember... Yutan actually um, started off her dreams on making songs towards the end of season one, so we w- I want to see how that's gonna be relevant to the development of the rest of the club as long as the new edition of the bird, because they're quite insane characters if you haven't checked season two, so yeah, there's that. Yeah, season two of the game, which is very controversial actually somehow, but yeah, I mean. Let's hope that the anime uh, group, the anime production team, would actually realize how they can refine the script and actually make it so that it'll be a more pleasing experience. I have faith in, in the Nijigasaki team, actually, the production team for the anime. I have faith in them, because if they did uh, Season 1 that well, by giving highlights to every character, I would love to see how they deal with, with the uh with the second season perhaps you have individual episodes perhaps you have episodes where multiple characters are developing together you know i want to see that as well so yeah really high hopes for Nijigaku season two Nijigaku season two so yeah no i mean even the bgm right now i'm actually listening to it as i'm doing the podcast so yeah really goes to show that i'm very addicted to the anime you know because now that they've shown their internal struggles, they've shown their resolutions to it, it's like I can relate to all the characters. I feel like I feel like more than Aqua, I've truly realized a group that I don't have a clear favorite at all times, you know. So it's like, yeah. Wow. The power of Nichigasaki, I guess. I guess that's kind of like the sort of, creative freedom you have from not being... not having love life or saving your school as your only objective, you know. Having this open-endedness really gives a lot of possibilities for a team. So that's nice. That's really nice. So yeah. Who would have thought the spin-off really gave that much creative freedom? But yeah. Who knows? Maybe they can somehow bring it back to love life where they participate as individual members. That'll be interesting to see. So... Yeah, there's that. But yeah, that's basically my overall thought on Love Life, actually. I've really talked about it since, like, for, like, half the podcast, so that's surprising. <laughs> but yeah, it really goes to show that, well, as far as I love the progress, progressive improvements the anime has over time, Nijigasaki, some- out of all these four franchises, really holds a very, very deep position, a deep uh, part place in my heart. So yeah, really love to see it keep going endlessly. Honestly, but we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, um, there are other things I do watch other than anime. So let's step away from anime for the last bit of the podcast. We still have like uh, fifteen minutes uh, at most. But yeah, I want to talk about uh, the backrooms because I've stumbled upon this partly because. Uh, we have the memes coming out and all that, and uh, yeah, I also watched that map path theory on how to survive level zero. But it's like um, I had a more in-depth thought on like why or what the bathrooms are, and it's very intriguing actually. With all the layers you have, right? You have all these. They're separate layers, all with their specific properties. You have this fear of the unknown. You have, like, very, very out of this world sort of feeling to it. And to pass through each level, you have to no clip through each thing, which obviously is a sort of thing that we all realize on games or, you know, in the sort of simulations or something like that. So, to see that it's being used in this way. That's like some sort of pasta, or even its own entire lore too. It's like you have literal organizations, you have literal like strategies to survive. Like it's like it's a very open-ended world too. And apparently there's a lot of levels out there. It's like the largest number is like the uh, number of 2 to the power 64 I think. It's like a 64-bit integer number. That was, the, that was the hard limit I believe so yeah that's a lot of floors that's a lot of floors to go through imagine being accidentally no clipping into the back rooms you just end up stuck in there yeah very hard time so we'll see i don't know i feel like it's a very good setting for a tabletop session though because of just the sheer amount of floors you can go with all these and all the different options you can take, it's like, wow, what am I going to do with all these options, you know? There's a lot. There's seriously a lot of options you can do. I mean, the ones I'm most familiar with are like the first 12 levels, I think. So, yeah. I thought it would be interesting because level 1, level 0 apparently, you barely have anyone in there. You don't barely have any entities in there. I'm sure there's the found footage one created by a 16 year old director, props to him honestly, doing that at 16 years old. Such creative uh, minds he has, so yeah, very good job mate, you deserve a a cookie. (laughs) But yeah, the point is that sometimes you don't necessarily need a huge budget to make something very awesome. If you have the concept and if you have the creativity to work it within the budget you have, then perhaps you can produce a very good masterpiece. That's pretty nice, honestly. So, yeah. If we're going to talk about the back rooms, we might as well try to talk about how I'm going to try, attempt to survive it. So I guess what I'm going to be doing, I guess, if I accidentally end up on floor level zero right now, is that, well, I have nothing. I literally have nothing holding on to me. Perhaps if I was holding on to my phone, perhaps there's that, but what use would my phone have? You know, probably nothing. So... Yeah, I'm also consider myself toolless, so I guess I, I'll do this first off. Try to get to the mineral room, try to get the basic info out of back room, and try to get my way into level one. Level one, get supplies, go to reach the meg base, and uh, yeah. Get some resources, and speed it to, speed my way to. I guess try to find some companions because. It'd be great to have extra hands to help you out, you know, especially against the unknown. Because there, if there's one thing that you people normally fear or you want to combine it together, it's the fear of the unknown. I mean, you don't fear fear itself sometimes. Sometimes you do, I guess. But then you fear the unknown because you don't know what they do. You don't know what these things do, perhaps, or something deadly and it's good to at least have some knowledge of what you're getting into you know that's nice and then after that perhaps i'm gonna start adventuring i guess i don't know this whole experience actually feels like made in abyss actually holy balls when i think about it it really brought me into several different things because now everything makes sense because now that i've watched made in abyss with essentially layers of the abyss where you where you go down where you start to lose your sanity. You can work the same or similar thing you can do with the backrooms as well, where you go deeper, as you go deeper things the levels will get more insane and you probably lose your sanity while you're good doing it, you know. So it's like another another way of seeing it. I guess that's why I'm so fascinated with this series. And then yeah some of the settings actually remind me of the there was a certain mod in minecraft i think it was mistcraft or something like that where you literally had books you you have books to open specific dimensions it feels like that honestly and i don't know it feels like everything's coming all together somehow you know so i'm really intrigued here because i really want to try to do like a tabletop session because uh, I'll spoil into something. This podcast, right? Innofication Investigators. We were supposed to have a tabletop RPG special. But the people that were that I was supposed to have invited, uh, namely Venti and another person, uh, well, Venti's too busy. And the other person that I invited ghosted me for like several months. So I can't really do that originally planned, but yeah Um, Very quickly actually because I actually had the setting so let's I'm gonna quickly brief you on how the thing is because I based it off the World of Darkness series So since I based it off the World of Darkness series all I did was well try to make some certain like city or something like that and well the synopsis is, in the year of 2022, four people were just living out their normal lives, but were interrupted by their first encounter with the monsters lurking in the darkness. Not being able to resume their normal lives in peace, they all coincidentally decided to pursue for answers. And fate happens to have their paths coincide with one another in the bustling city of El L.S. which means Mirage. <laughs> Will they manage to work together to, and get the answers they've longed for? And what will they do with the answers if they do get there? You know. has this sense of mystery because the world of darkness is kind of like one of the RPGs that focus on the super, supernaturals. You know. The very basic vampires. The I guess creeping. Uh, things that wander in the dark. You know. The, the worms. Yeah. A lot of things. A lot of dark creatures creatures that are hidden and hidden in the dark sort of thing and i see that their theme can be similar to the like the entities in the backrooms, because in the backrooms you have like also neutral entities too or friendly if you tame them but it's like yeah holy balls all that i've the things that i've learned throughout my life Of entertainment has come together for this one moment it's like holy balls what do I do with all this information right so I don't know I don't know I don't know what to do with this because I feel like I'm gonna need a group of people to work together with this sort of project I want to do but I don't have a rough idea just yet yeah I really want to actually start doing a tabletop RPG session and actually start training so we'll see Let's see if I can actually pull that off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's it for today. Wow. Um everything's coming together. Oh yeah, everything's coming together. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Such is life, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, overall, I think that's what we have. Really. Just if there's something to take away from this, is that Um, anime has quite decent storytelling not like those like social justice sort of thing you get from american comics nowadays because apparently american comics nowadays are like you have to have female heroes you have to have black heroes because because inclusive you know you have to be diverse apparently and yet they're forgetting the most important thing the story itself who cares if your character is black? Who cares if your character is a female? Who cares if your character is a trans? If they don't bring a good story with them, what's the point of me reading or following that story? You know, and that's the main difference. You know, and it's very rewarding when you find a good anime out there. Made in Abyss is definitely a good one. Death Note I'd watch until L dies. <laughs> And then Love Life, actually. It's one of the more underestimated series, in my opinion. Because, I mean, it's like, it has been treated as like the weeb anime for outsiders. But it's like, when you look past it, I feel like there are some basic things in life that you can learn from the Love Life characters. Especially Nijigasaki. Because you get to understand these girls' Internal problems, internal struggles, and even even starting from really, even with Muse actually, uh, some characters there. I guess Eddie on the early part, Nozomi and Nico. I actually like the third year developments over there, but they have their developments, uh, development periods. They have their own struggles. They have their own ways to encounter it, or they have their ways to. Uh, overcome it, you know, with their classmates or find a t- t- determination to actually get through with their problems. So, yeah. I feel like even with love life, there's still something to learn. So, hope that uh, even if you have this bad impression of love life, give the anime a try. You know, watch the entirety of it and at least try to see. At least try to see are there any little basic things in life that you could learn from them? You know, that's the point of like these uh, daily life sort of things. The slice of life sort of anime. Because sometimes the simplest things in life could have the most valuable lessons that you can learn. So yeah, there's that. On, on that note, that'll be the end of today's podcast. So if you guys enjoyed today's podcast, then be sure to leave a like on the YouTube video. Or follow us on our platforms in Spotify, Anchor. Google Podcasts and Google and Apple Podcasts or some other places as well. So yeah, there's that. The timestamps, I think I'll be able to put them for the YouTube video as well. So you can go ahead and check that out if you want to skip certain periods. But yeah, with that said, I think i will be it for today. I'm with the Extra player and I'll see you guys next time. Bye bye!